Good morning, Iwu. Good morning. It is so good to be with you, to worship with you today. My name is Julia. Um, little disclaimer here, I have a cold, so if I start coughing in the middle, just, you know, have patience with me because, you know, we're all getting sick right now. It happens. But we're going to be continuing with this series called Lessons I'm Learning. Not lessons I have learned or have perfected, but lessons that I'm currently learning. And when I was asked that question, I felt like my response was much less of a, a sermon and more of a conversation. And just a disclaimer, I am not a preacher. I'm an accounting major. I love numbers, and it's a great time. So if someone was to ask me this question, what are you learning? Just kind of imagine that I'm sitting across from you, and this is what my response would be. And then I, I think, I know that this is something that the Lord has been teaching me, and I hope that he's teaching you too. But just, you know, as we're diving into this, I'm going to give you a little background about who I am. I'm going to introduce myself. So hi, it's me, Julia, from Chapel. Hi, I'm your student body chaplain, along with Cam Stilson. Basically, my job is to disciple the female chaplains, and we put on Breathe, and it's a really neat job. I also am on the track team. Yeah. They sit up there every Wednesday together, and uh, that community means a lot to me. It is my joy and my honor to run alongside you every day. And also, as I mentioned, I'm a county major. It's a good time. I really love numbers and Jesus. I have a ministry minor. I also happen to be engaged to the cutest boy in the world, Elijah Davis. Yeah, I, yeah, I know him, and I really like him, so that's cool. Um, yeah. I'm from Colorado. I love mountains. There's no air there. We like it. And probably my best and most distinguishing quality is that I'm rather good at embarrassing myself. Just all the time. I'm not just telling you that because I need things to talk about up here. You can come up to me any day of the week and I will have a story for you within the past 24 hours of something dumb that I did. Mostly happens in public restrooms. Never know what's going to happen in there. And, um, but just like to give you an example of what, what I'm talking about, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story that continued for more than 24 hours. In fact, it was a week-long experience. So um, freshman year, moved to Indiana for the first time. I'm from Colorado, as I mentioned. So I moved to the Midwest, which Indiana, I don't know if y'all realize this, but Indiana is neither in the middle of the state nor, or of the country nor to the west. But that is beyond me. Hello, Midwest. Me, Julia, from Colorado. And I'm sitting there in my FYE, very first day of school, and I'm in Dr. Neiman's Foundation of Business class. Super fun class. And we're going around the circle introducing ourselves. And I'm about the third person in, and I notice that the first two people, when they introduce themselves, they say, you know, hi, I'm whomever, from wherever, you know, the whole thing that you talk about your first three weeks of school. And the people introduce themselves, and then when they say where they're from, they point to their hand in reference. And I was like, that is so smart. Because if you tell me you're from Kokomo, Indiana, I don't know what that means. You're from Indiana, that's what that means to me. So people would point to their hand, and I was like, okay. I'm one with this culture. I will follow in suit. Hello, my name is Julia Ridgway, and I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I stand there, and I point to the middle of my hand, because Colorado is a square, and Colorado Springs is right in the middle. So it was like, brilliant. I will give them a reference to my state. Here I am, Colorado Springs, Colorado. No one corrected me. No one. And we go around the rest of the circle, and I noticed a couple of people did not use the hand method, and I was like, how dare you? Everyone else did it. 
So whatever, so we keep going. And, and so for the next week of school, I introduce myself as Julia from Colorado Springs, Colorado, with the hand, with the hand. No one said anything until at the very end of the week, I met my now roommate, Abby Grace Walters. We also live with Paige, who's our other wife, who we love. And, um, and I introduced myself, and I was like, yes, I'm Julia Ridgway from College Springs, Colorado. And she's like, are you kidding me? And she laughs 10 minutes before she explains to me that this is Michigan, y'all. This ain't just any state that you happen to live in. This is Michigan. I don't know which direction you're in. Whatever. So Colorado, I'm right in the middle there, okay? See, embarrassing things are just always happening to me. Like just last week, two weeks ago, whatever, we had Summit. Matt Leroy was here. Best summit I've been a part of, really enjoyed it. And I was having lunch with him, and he asked me, what are you passionate about? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm glad you asked. I am so passionate about nonprofit accounting, it's not even funny. I love numbers. So I was talking to him very passionately about my spreadsheet that I had just built. And as I, you know, as one does, and because I was speaking of this so expressively, I knocked an entire glass of orange juice into my lap a full glass of orange juice into my lap, talking to Matt Leroy about spreadsheets. And so I'm laughing, and I don't know if you've heard me laugh. It's not as bad as Elijah's, who has a very distinct laugh, who I, that I love, I love you, babe, but I also have a snort, and it's not the most exciting thing to be around. So I was just wildly embarrassed. At this point, I've just kind of gotten used to it. This is the reality in which I will exist. I accept it. But embarrassment is such an odd feeling, isn't it? You're so concerned with this idea of self. You know, we go through our lives creating this image of who we think that we are, and all of a sudden, that is kind of, you know, going to be interpreted in someone else's point of view. Maybe they aren't going to perceive your idea of self the same way that you perceive it. College, we spend a lot of time exploring this idea of self. And we start asking all of those questions, like, who am I? You finally move away to a new school, to a new place, and you get to experience and process the last 18 years of life removed from that environment. You start asking, who am I removed from all familiarity? Who am I removed from my com comfort? Who or what or where is home? I mean, I'm from Colorado, so Colorado is home. I've also spent every summer that I can remember living with my aunt and uncle in Mexico. So Mexico is home. But I moved to Indiana and made some of the dearest friends that I've ever known. So Indiana is home. And as I continue in the search and exploration of self, I've just been feeling like I'm missing something. I'm missing something. And for most of it, I've just thought it was homesickness. But I would return to those places and leave unsatisfied. And as you continue questioning all of those things, like what am I, who am I? Of course Jesus is going to get drawn into the mix because religion is obviously a key part of, of who you are. So I start thinking about this Jesus guy and I like him. And I start thinking about Genesis when he tells me that I'm created in his image. So yeah, that's me, an image bearer an embodiment of something, someone really great. And I know that, I know that intellectually, and I know a lot of us know that intellectually. But mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I'm feeling a little bit more like the off-brand right now. Like, I know I was created to be Frosted Flakes. 
I'm over here, frost, flakes of frost, whatever you want to call it. I'm just, I'm so close, but I'm missing it. <laughs> and we find ourselves wrestling with these questions and doubts of who am I, who is God, and we're following every rabbit trail of our mind trying to pursue truth and hold on to anything for dear life. And we keep our heads down and we're fighting and we're searching, and a lot of the times we do it alone. Because we think to ourselves, no one else could be asking all of these questions. No one else could be suffering through all the things that I'm thinking about. I mean, I'm at a Christian university. I should have this God thing figured out, right? Well, I, woo, I stand before you, your student body chaplain, and I still ask all of these questions. And praise Jesus that I do, and I hope I never stop asking them. I don't want to be complacent. But as I'm pondering these things and I'm kind of following deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of who am I, who is God, what is self? It's like reality or the conviction of the Holy Spirit or something strikes me and I realize I'm not the only self doing this. I know that if I look up for long enough, I'll see my peers. Yes, it began with a journey of self-discovery, but in the grounds of my own self, I have found the mercy of a loving God in the grounds of myself and of the emptying of all that ties me to this world. I found that I'm really just a daughter of a good God who is constantly surrounded by his pride, his joy, his creation, who just happens to be my community. And I look around, Daiwu, I look around at you right now and notice that I'm not alone. And I think a lot of you guys are asking this same question. So look around, look to your left, to your right. Your peers, yeah, look at each other. Your peers are incredible. The life experiences that are represented in this room are so vast, so beautiful and unique and sometimes broken. But even with all of that, with all of the students in this room in our fullness, we don't even begin to picture all of who God is. We represent so much of him, but there's so much more. But I keep going on this journey of self and home, and I just still feel like I'm missing it. Because my journey towards self and home it really just means of a journey towards God in whom I find self, in whom I find home. You see, society has it wrong. They're telling us to keep doing and filling and accomplishing and just interact with the divine at our own convenience. But what I'm saying is that when we find self and home in the peace and the presence of God and interact with our world, with our peers, from that place, everything changes. The way you see yourself, the way you see others changes. You know, this is a really odd concept for me to voice. So I'm going to tell you a story from Matthew 16, just kind of, just to summarize it, you know. So if you go ahead and open with me to Matthew 16, just to give you a little background, Matthew 16 is kind of a wild passage because it starts out with Jesus talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they're like getting all real spicy with Jesus because he's like, they're asking him to give a sign for his authority, and he's like, only an adulterous generation would ask for a sign, and then he kind of skirts them, but like in a nice way because he's Jesus. And then following that, Peter starts making some really bold claims about who Jesus is. 
So we're going to pick up in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And in that moment, Peter gets it. Peter gets it. He's able to look at Jesus and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and he gets it. You see, Peter is kind of like us in this story, questioning all these things about self, because, I mean, he left everything. He left all familiarity. He left all of his life experiences that made him who he was. He left home. He left family. He left friends to follow a man in whom he was placing his entire identity. So on his journey of self, it culminated in this moment where he gets it. He can look Jesus in the face and say, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. Hmm. But the passage continues, and it doesn't take Peter very long to mess it up. We love Peter. You never know what's going to come out of this dude's mouth. So the passage continues in verse 21. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go on to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he'd be raised again from the dead. And so Peter's over here, like, freaking out, like, Jesus, I just declared you Messiah, son of the living God. Stop talking about death, man. Like, if you're not everything that I said I was just placing my identity in, if you're going to go and die now, like, Please stop talking about that. It's scary. Everything that I've been taught up until this moment is not aligning with what you are saying. So Peter, in all of his boldness, you know, verse 22 there, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Reprimand Jesus for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And then Peter turns, but Jesus turns to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Ooh, imagine Jesus saying that to you. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Peter corrected Jesus here because his, everything that he's known up until this point is not aligning with what Jesus is saying. He knows all of the background information that the crucifixion, that the cross represents shame and death and fear. And that wasn't lining up with what all of Jesus was saying, that he was going to go and he was going to die. So Peter corrected Jesus because his idea of holiness, Peter's, was not lining up with what Jesus was saying. His perspective and life experiences were concerning him so much to the point that he corrected Jesus. Because if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, who was Peter? He had just declared him. 
the Messiah, the son of the living God, and everything comes into question, and, P- and Jesus rebukes him. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. But you know what? The story doesn't end there. You know what the next verse is? Verse 24 it says, Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, then you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. We hear that passage a lot. We've heard a huge amount of sermons on it. And most pastors take it the way of, you got to lay something down to pick something back up. So we talk about sin. We talk about fear. We talk about laying those things down so we can pick something else up, the cross. But I feel like we're, we're missing something. There's a greater context that's happening right now. The verses that just came before it, P- Jesus rebukes Peter and tells him to lay down his own perspective because he's seeing things from the perspective of man, not from the perspective of God. So what does that mean? I think it means that part of following Jesus, finding self, perspective, home, part of picking up our cross is surrendering our human point of view and picking up God's point of view. Because so much of our heartache today is caused by our limited human perspective. Unkind words are said and divisions are formed amongst us because we can't see past our human experience, our human perspective. And I, my heart breaks. I knew that this chapel thing was going to be part of my job description, didn't think much of it, and in fact I was kind of excited about it until I sat down in John's office and he asked me about it, and out of nowhere I just started weeping. I started weeping for you, Iwu. Because when I thought about coming onto the stage, I thought about dear friends who I'd spoken to who didn't feel represented here. My heart aches, Iwu, as I've been praying about this time to come and talk to you. My heart aches for those in our community who don't feel like they belong, who don't feel represented. My heart aches for those, including myself, who struggle with mental health. My heart aches for all the loneliness that can come along with it. My heart aches for those of you, Iwu, who are really questioning a lot and whose doubts and questions seem a lot bigger than any truth that is being presented to you. But most of all, my heart aches because in our search for self, we are missing the Jesus who is so inherently in all of us. And not just in you, but in your neighbor, and the person sitting next to you, and that person you maybe don't agree with, and that person that you don't get along with or don't know well, Jesus is in them too. And I think I, we've gotten to the point where our passivity is more comfortable than seeking a perspective different than our own. And my heart aches. And just like to put this into context, like where I see it happening, if you weren't aware, like right now in, this, in the United States, our political arena is not going that hot. We're having a hard time. But imagine how our conversations would change there if we were willing to surrender our perspective and take up the perspective of God. If you could sit across from another one of those image bearers 
and see them, see their life experiences that may amount to a perspective that's different than your own. And it's not just political. If we could lay down our, our perspective and take on the perspective of God, our words would change, our conversations would change. Think about our conversations about God. Think about our conversations about our other. Think about our conversations about ourself, our friends, our family. If we were willing, I would, to lay down our perspective, because we're seeing things from the human point of view, not from God's. Are you willing? Can you lay it down? Because if you do, I think you'll find that you'll start to feel such a love and respect from someone you don't even know. Because right now, Iwu, we're missing him. We're having conversations with other image bearers and we're missing him. We're missing the Jesus that's right here amongst us. The Holy Spirit that is the indwelling of us, in us. (laughs) And if this makes you uncomfortable, like, I'm kind of sorry, but praise God because it's in the discomfort that we find our desperation for Jesus. So I have a challenge for you, Iwu. In the next week, I want to challenge you to go talk to someone who may be a little different than you. Maybe someone who sees something different than you, has different life experiences than you. Someone who's in a different season of life than you. Because I think maybe if you're willing to surrender your human perspective and willing to take on the perspective of God, and if you lean in, if you really lean in, you might just hear a piece of the Father's heart revealed. You might just catch a glimpse of the internal. You know, Day of Courageous Conversations is coming up. That's a really good place for us to start. And please know that when you surrender self, it is only because of the Father's deep and passionate love for you and his willingness to give you his perspective. He loves you, and he loves the creation and community that surrounds you. And oh, how his heart longs to unite us by the indwelling of his spirit in the common image that we all bear. Thank you.